Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to the bigger picture. Well, it's all about the China reopening story these days, and we've been talking about it for quite some time. And to some extent, it's a very crowded bandwagon. So some market watchers are saying, "Hey, this is becoming a very crowded bet." So is this time to now start thinking? Maybe it's time to take money off the table, or maybe have a look at how much more upside there is. Let's check in with Vasu Menon. He is the executive director for investment strategy. At OCBC Bank. Morning, Vasu. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, glad to have you on as always. And this is Thank one you. of the big stories that has been talked about for quite some time. I think almost every other week it comes about how the China reopening story is going to be a big boost for the economy and for the region. To some extent, it does seem like a lot has been priced in already, right, Vasu? Uh, yes, you're right, Ryan. In fact, I wrote an article for the Business Times a couple of weeks ago titled uh, "Keep a Cool Head." when investing in Chinese equities, because I too, like you, uh, noticed that, you know, the Chinese equity markets have rallied uh, very sharply in the last three months. Uh, the rally really started in uh, October of last year, the end of October of last year. So if you pick the MSCI China index, for example, it's up almost 60% to the peak. And since then, it has corrected something like about 7% uh, in recent weeks as the markets pull back. So you're right. I mean, I think in the short term, there could be volatility. I mean, the markets have run up a lot in a very short space of time. There are reasons to be optimistic on China in the medium term. Without a doubt, the reopening story will continue to help the economy get back on its feet. I think there's more upside, but the climb is not going to be linear. It will not be a straight climb, uh, and investors need to be ready for volatility. I mean, there will be uh, hits and misses and surprises uh, in China, and I think that's going to create volatility, at least in the short term. After a sharp run up, run up like that, you know, I think investors, uh, some investors at least, will be more uh, keen to take some money off the table. But that doesn't mean that it's game over for China. We still remain positive on Chinese equities. We have an overweight call in the asset class. And uh, it's just that, you know, the climb ahead will not be as spectacular as the last three months. And it will not be a linear climb. Yeah, Vasu, when you talk about China, you can't leave out the property sector. And this is one of the sectors that was, of course, badly hit in the past few years. What will it take for you to see in China before you get back into the Chinese property space in a bigger fashion? Well, you know, right, it'll take a while before uh, the Chinese property sector gets back on its feet. I mean, you are seeing some signs of stability. You're seeing some signs of, you know, the Chinese government providing support to the sector. I think uh, the latest being that, you know, the Chinese government is going to allow uh, individual uh, you know, regions in China to basically launch more land sales. Uh, you know, that has been restricted uh, a couple of years ago uh, to, I think, three land parcels a year or something like that. And uh, they have now, you know, uh, they're going to allow more and more regions to uh, launch more land sale. And uh, that, I think, is a sign of confidence, confidence that, you know, things are starting to stabilize to some extent and also to help the individual regions, you know, fund their budgets. So going forward, I don't think Chinese uh, property market is out of the woods. The property developers, many of them are, are still reeling from the, the big uh, downturn in the sector. Uh, it'll take a while before they get back on its feet. And uh, I think we'll need to see more support from the government, uh, some degree of stabilization in property prices, um, and a pickup in demand. Uh, but, you know, that all that is going to play uh, out over the next few months, uh, perhaps even a couple of years, uh, before we find some real stability in Chinese property stocks. Yeah, Vasu, talking about a pickup in demand, let's take our attention to what's happening in the U.S. with the retail earnings coming through from the likes of Walmart, as well as Home Depot. 
By and large, they had an okay quarter, but it's the outlook that looks a bit concerning because they are thinking that the consumer may start to hold back on spending. And this is where it's going to get interesting. Are you seeing that playing out in terms of shifts in consumer spending patterns, going to more value products away from those big ticket items? Uh, well, you know, it's not happened in a big way yet, but I think Walmart and Home Depot are both uh, warning about what lies ahead. Uh, in the case of, you know, Home Depot, I think the share price slumped, you know, more than 7%, and they're, you know, expecting weakening demand, and they painted a fairly bleak profit forecast. Uh, in the case of Walmart, I, the results are actually better than expected. But again, like you said, they are looking at a uh, full-year profit forecast this year, which is below consensus, and they're warning of uh, profit margin squeeze. What is quite clear, uh, Ryan, is that you know consumer patterns are shifting away from goods towards services. Mm. And you know what you're seeing is really a greater degree of spending on services and services inflation more than goods inflation. So goods, infl- goods inflation has been coming down. But services inflation has been fairly resilient. So the consumer pattern is shifting away from goods towards things like, you know, travel, leisure, lifestyle, service elements, you know. And uh, I, I think that's the, the, the new phase. Yeah, Vasu, that's a good point. If I look at what Home Depot is also doing, it's pumping in an additional $1 billion to give its hourly employees a raise. And this is all part of the reflection around the U.S. labor market. It's so hard to get workers. They have to raise wages. How strong is the U.S. labor market right now and how does this feed into what the Fed is going to be doing in terms of rate hikes? You're right. I mean, that, that is an issue. And in fact, that is the, the strong labor market is what is feeding also into, uh, you know, the strong services sector and services inflation. You know, wage growth in the U.S. is still very strong at more than 4%. The U.S. economy is still creating a lot of jobs. Uh, you know, the latest job numbers for January surprised on the outside uh, in a big, big way. And so it remains to be seen. The job market is not showing signs of cooling down. Ryan, of course, we are reading headlines about tech sector mm. uh, laying off workers. But then again, the broader economy, if you take away the non-tech sectors, uh, they're still adding workers. They're still adding workers. And, you know, and there are no signs of any cooling off just yet. In fact, there's a shortage of workers and companies are still adding workers. So that, that is a bit of a worrying sign for the Federal Reserve because the Fed is hoping for some kind of a cool down in the job market. And until that happens, hard to see the Fed taking its foot off the pedal. Yeah, so that really brings us to our next question, which is what investors should be doing. You've got so much noise, it's very hard to figure out what the Fed's going to do because in some pockets you've got layoffs, others, how to find talent, and then you've got a lot happening in the geopolitical space as well. How do you allocate your money these days, Vasu? Well, you know, Ryan, I mean, these things that you just described, uh, they're going to be six years. They're going to be there for the next six months, nine months or so. They're not going to go away. Uh, but it also doesn't make sense for investors to stay out of the markets altogether. I think it's important to stay invested, but to invest carefully. And maybe if you're putting fresh money into the market, not to put it all, put all of it into the market in a single go, but to phase your investments out over the next six to nine months. So dollar cost averaging makes even more sense in a market like that. Uh, the markets are pulling back now. Uh, they may pull back further. Uh, and that will create some interesting opportunities for investors who are prepared to take a view of at least two years. This is not a trading market. You've got to take a view of at least you know, 18 months to, to two years. Uh, eventually, the Fed may win the battle against inflation, and history shows that when it does, the markets can see a big rebound. So you don't want to miss the boat. Uh, at the same time, you, know, you want to be careful and not be uh, overly aggressive. So you know, a good way to do it is to time diversify, spread investments out gradually, and be very careful in what you buy. Be very selective in what you buy. Com- buy companies with strong balance sheet, strong cash flow, 
uh, and hopefully profit margins that will not be too badly squeezed in the coming months. Yeah, but you're talking about what to buy. How are you splitting your money between stocks and fixed income? Because with high interest rates, I imagine the yields will be better. Uh, no doubt. I think, you know, there's no one shirt uh, fits all answer here. Depends on the individual. If it's a young investor in his 20s, you know, early 30s, I would say, look, hey, stocks are going to offer you uh, better prospects in the long term. You've got a long runway ahead. If you're an older person, you know, the higher yields are going to be effective. I mean, so putting a bit more money into fixed deposits, into T-bills, you know, into bonds that give you yield makes a bit more sense. So it really depends on the individual and it varies from individual to individual. But you're right. I mean, the fact that yields have gone up now uh, is a source of support for, you know, the bond market and asset class. So investors are looking out for opportunities in the bond space where they can, you know, lock in some good coupon and yield. All right, we mentioned Vasu Menon. He is the Executive Director for Investment Strategy for OCBC Bank. Vasu, thanks as always for your time and we'll catch up again with you soon. Thank you very much, Ryan, for having me on the show and uh, have a good day and a great week ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.